Chernobyl 2.0 could happen any day. Ali Mistel says the Constitution is kind of trash, and crude oil prices hit the highest in almost 10 years. Welcome back to another episode of Politically Incorrect with Garrett Vighton, where everything is unscripted, uncensored, and probably politically incorrect. And has it been an interesting week? Uh, I apologize for missing uh, last uh, last week's Friday episode. I, I got caught up in some stuff that I had to take care of. And Tuesday's episode, I know, was a little long, but it, I just live reviewed the entire um, State of the Union. It was my live reaction. Uh, I, I felt like it was something different, something that um, people could actually interact with more. Um, but a lot has happened in the past week. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict has been deteriorating very fastly they were having talks about having a ceasefire those apparently fell through even though we never really heard anything about them um but in general russia's just been ramping up their attacks on ukraine uh they're finding that the western country uh, the western countries u.s canada and western europe aren't really going to do any more than than sanctions and protect surrounding nato countries um and, and so we've just kind of left ukraine to fend for themselves um where we've kind of been supplying weaponry and stuff but really it's manpower that ukraine needs but if any western country um uh, or any nato or country supplies um manpower it's just gonna end up in world war three and probably a nuclear war but speaking of, uh, I guess, nuclear in general, the uh, Ukraine's, uh, pardon me if I pronounce this wrong, uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, um, which is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Um, Russia gained control of it. Uh, it accounts for one-fifth of Ukraine's power, and power is, I believe, roughly, uh, roughly around... For million homes uh, so reportedly there was a fire that was taking place on it which is not good if you know anything about the Chernobyl accident in I believe 1986 was when Chernobyl was um, which at Chernobyl Chernobyl basically exploded uh, reactive four exploded and it was the worst nuclear disaster to happen since uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, in 1945. Um, so uh, Ukraine's power plant was on fire. It was reported that radiation levels had uh, increased, I believe, by 10 times. Um, but if it was, if that power plant was to get uh, destroyed, or if a reactor were to explode, um, it supposedly could be 10 times worse than Chernobyl, which would be extremely bad. It would probably blanket the entirety of Europe and at least and Asia. It would be ex extremely, extremely bad. Um, and then moving on, uh, on Thursday, uh, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, became the first Ukrainian city to fall to Russia forces. It's the first major city. It's also, I believe, one of their port cities, which basically gives Russia a another option uh, to 
to get into Ukraine now that they have a port city. Uh, NATO turned down uh, uh, implementing no-fly zones. Um, they had been requested from uh, Ukraine be like, hey, let's have a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which I believe would encompass almost any and all aircraft. But, I mean, that's already kind of happened. Uh, no passenger aircraft is flying over Ukraine because they're smart. Um, and if you go work at, uh, look at, like, flight radar, every plane is going around Ukraine. It's, it's kind of funny. It's The skies are in Ukraine are almost as empty as they were after uh, the World Trade Center uh, attacks in 2001. The Russian stock markets proceeded to be closed. The ruble price proceeded to drop. And I forgot to look up what the ruble price was because I'm a dummy. Uh, so the ruble price is now worth 0 0.0081 of a United States dollar. So that's uh that that that's not good. That that equates to 124 Russian rubles and one United States dollar. And kind of in comparison um so before the attacks uh, let's say a year ago the price was in August 20 2021 it was 0.013 so it was just over a cent and now it has dropped to under a cent so that's not very uh that's not helping the russian economy the russian people are upset they've been protesting there's been multiple uh protests from um uh, chess um grandmasters uh russian chess grandmasters the Russian oligarchs um, are very unhappy because the U.S. is seeking them out now to freeze their assets. Uh, one of the uh, oligarchs actually placed a bounty on Putin's head of one million U.S. dollars uh, to have him arrested. So I, I'm pretty—that's like one of the first times we've heard something like that since I think uh, the Middle East was, you know, having their whole thing. Um, and there's also been some things that come out about, uh, like how the Ukrainian army is like, um, anti-LGBTQ plus and racist, but my whole interpretation of that is why does it matter that this is, that the, this is something that the New York Times is choosing to report on because they can because it appeals to their narrative, their, their general narrative of supporting the left. But when a country's at war, that those are kind of the last things on their mind. And in my opinion, uh, Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky is doing a wonderful job. He's standing with his people. He's had three assassination attempts against him which is insane that's three times as many as ronald reagan and uh jfk i don't get why the new york times would feel that hey this has to be reported on when it has absolutely nothing to do with the whole conflict it's not like the conflict started over racism or lgbtq it started because russia wants to expand their sphere of influence and regain the soviet union from the from the 70s before it def became defunct so 
That's why I never read the New York Times. I have a free subscription, but I never read it. I, I'd rather just read other preferably non-biased sources. Uh, Reuters is always a good one. Snoops is always a good one. Even just scrolling through Twitter, because then I can click on what I want and what I want to read. But yeah, it, New York Times is... I, I will probably never read them. Um, but moving on, uh, the the U.S. stock market is still in shambles. Um, the Dow dropped uh, half a percent today. It's down, I believe, uh, since the start of the year. Uh, it's down, ironically, only 0.53%, um, I think. Oh, no, that was the day's change. Um, it was well over... 3,600 is now well under 3,400. So it's a net change of over 10%. Um, the the NASDAQ and the S&P also dropped today. Uh, the NASDAQ was 0.65%, and then the S&P 0.79%. The NASDAQ was actually rallying the past couple days for some strange reason, which I do not know, uh, until eventually it, it, it dropped again and at the state of the union address uh, this past tuesday and i kind of hit uh hit on this during the uh, the state of the union the uh, joe biden he boasted that 6.5 million jobs have been created in 2021 no these weren't jobs that were created they it was just jobs that were recut that had been it was just job recovery since the start of covid in march 2020 the unemployment rate was 3.7% before COVID hit. It jumped to 13 point, uh, 13 point something percent, a uh, low 13 percentage. And then it can't, now it's resting right at about 3.8%. Now the whole thing with how unemployment, unemployment works and how these numbers are kind of getting skewed and uh, the whole misconception about them is after six months, you are no longer considered unemployed. I... Uh, because I'm a, a, a dependent still, I cannot file for unemployment. But so I quit my last job in March of 2021. So for if I was not a dependent, I could claim unemployment for six months. After those six months, I would be no longer considered. I, I would not if I had not found a job. I would not be considered employed. I would not be considered unemployed. I would just be a person. So obviously after March 2020, once you get to, you know, a year later, unemployment's lower, you get to two years later like we are now, it's obviously going to be right back to where it is. But those, those 6.5 million jobs, they're not created jobs. Honestly, Biden's probably destroyed more jobs than he has canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Inflation's been going up like crazy. Stuff's getting more expenses. I feel, uh, I filled up for gas it was four bucks um i'm in arizona so and where i live in the the phoenix metropolitan area it had been sitting right around 360 it's four bucks now for 12 and a half gallons it cost me 50 bucks for somebody who has a bigger uh truck you know say a 20 gallon tank you're looking at 80 bucks for a semi it's outrageous because for a semi say if gas is three bucks and they fill up you know, they have two tank, dual tanks, say they each uh, hold 150, so you're filling up 300 gallons. 
So at three bucks, that's 900 bucks for a fill-up. And then there's I have over like a million semis running in the United States. So that's uh, $900 million, I believe, just in, just in diesel fuel. Now, if you increase uh, the price by a buck, so now you're sitting at four bucks, uh, 300 a 300 gallon fill up times four is $1,200. Multiply that by a million, you're looking at what, $1.2 billion? So it, it's a very, and my math might be wrong there. Um, let me double check it really quick because I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, $1.2 billion. So it doesn't hurt the common person as much, but it hurts the industry more. Um, and there was uh, the, the the crude oil, like per barrel crude oil prices hit $115 today. It's up 7% just today, Friday, March 4th. That's the same price as they were, I believe, in 2013. During 2016 and 2020, during Trump's administration, it was anywhere from like 92 to under that. Obviously, it slowly rose due to just general inflation, 1.2% a year or something like that. So price is obviously going to go up. That's just how the world works. But to hit 100 bucks a couple of days ago and now be 115 bucks per barrel is insane. During the State of the Union, Biden announced that uh, the U.S. along with 30 other countries are going to release 60 million barrels from their reserves, but uh, this only accounts for uh, half a day of uh, half of a day of the world's total consumption of oil. So it's realistically it's not gonna balance out properly. Prices are still going to go up because we're still losing general production from russia and ukraine right now they're just going to keep going up and up until the war and conflict is over biden also said that we should increase minimum wage to 15 dollars to help fight inflation and poverty but here's what happens when you raise minimum wage and this is just standard economics okay and if you can't understand this oh boy you're in trouble if you raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars a loaf of bread because I'm not going to use gas for this. A loaf of bread, the price increases. Now, why does that price increase? The price increases because the a company has to... I mean, I'll use Wonder Bread because they're still around. They, they have to pay the employee more. Okay? When they have to pay the employee more, their profit goes down. Now, no corporation wants to lose profit. So what do they do? They, they increase their prices. So basically, it's just a proportion. If you get paid 10 bucks an hour and you buy a loaf for $3, so that's uh, 3.33 is, your, uh, is what your, your multiplier, basically. If you raise it to $15, you're basically buying a loaf of bread for $4.5 now, for $4.5. So... Everything just goes up. It, it doesn't mean that you, you, you make more money, but you spend more money because that's what has to be done. Um, and then it, it, it doesn't help. You just, you're just increasing the money flow in the economy, which eventually 
it, it increases inflation prices. Now we haven't seen the uh, interest rate raise yet um, that the Federal Reserve was talking about. Yeah, it doesn't look like that has happened yet. Uh, I don't think the Federal Reserve has had their meeting yet. Oh, uh, Powell, uh, he said that it's looking closer to two weeks that it's going to happen. Uh, Jerome Powell is the Federal Reserve Chairman. Um, so that would make it mid-March, uh, approximately the 16th. And they're they're going to raise the interest rates to hopefully combat the inflation that's happening. But I'm not entirely sure if it's going to work or not. All this kind of stems from COVID. But let's be real, people. COVID, it's over. You have 75% of the population vaccinated. You have probably everybody else has had COVID at one point or another in the past two years. So you're sitting at 100% or close to 100% hurting. You're somewhere between the 90 to like 98% range, basically. If you want to wear a mask because it makes you feel comfortable and you're scared, whatever, I'm just going to think you're an idiot for it. That's my personal opinion. Um, A lot of colleges are starting to end their mask mandates, even the more more liberal colleges. Um, I'm still waiting for mine to end theirs. Uh, Hopefully sometime after spring break, even though I doubt it. Probably won't be till fall semester. But they're they're doing nothing good for us if anything it's only hurting us more now you put them on and all you do is breathe in your own carbon dioxide it i, I see people wearing them outside they're, they're not even getting enough fresh air even like they're wearing the the, the kn95s and the n95s outside i'm just like that's terrible for you i like the fresh air uh, i i like you know feeling the breeze on my face i don't get how people wear a mask outside especially playing sports but according to world um, world meter i'm using them just because it's an easy one to use and they're kind of not not biased um in regards to testing numbers out of the 955 million tests that have been administered in the u.s since uh, march 2020 uh, eight percent of those have come back positive which i believe that was around 80 million cases. It's a very low number. And we all know that there's people who are getting tested every day of the week, especially those in the health industry. So if one person takes seven tests a week, that is basically 300, no, it's 365 tests a year. So that's 730 tests over the past two years, just for one person. And, and we know what happens. There's people who have to take one every week there's every other week so i've personally never gotten a test i've never seen a reason to i can say i had covid because i lost my taste and smell and and i can link that to a person who came to my work with covid because they were stupid if i didn't know i lost my taste or smell it would have just been a, a like a flu i wouldn't have thought anything of it a lot of people over this past winter the the 2021 the 22 winter a lot of them who tested positive were vaccinated so, it, it not allowed them to go to the went to the hospital because it, it was the Omicron variant, and they had the vaccine. I think it was like ninety percent of them didn't go. The ten percent that probably went were freaked out because of everything that mainstream media has been telling them. But realistically, COVID COVID was third in in the U.S. for deaths at, at around three hundred fifty thousand. This is per the CDC. 
uh, leading to heart disease and cancer. Both of them were, were 696,000 and 602,000 respectively. Almost double that of COVID. Uh, COVID was third. Behind COVID, accidents and unintentional injuries at 200,000. You can't just stop your life. No, no one with cancer at least tries to not they, they, they try, someone with cancer tries not to stop their life. They don't want it to affect their life. Obviously, it sucks. I know people with cancer. It it sucks. I know I know people who have died from heart disease. It sucks. I know people who have died from accidents. It sucks. It is what it is. And, and who knows if these COVID numbers are accurate at all? Because they they've been like, and a lot of people who have died from COVID, they've had underlying diseases, obesity. Uh, they were immunocompromised. It, you got to realize that the death percentage of COVID is very, very small in comparison to the the infection rate. And, and something that I've said is it is something that we should learn to live with. Joe Biden would disagree with me. He says we should not learn to live with it and we should keep fighting it, basically. Why? If we keep fighting it, we're just going to keep getting stressed about it. It, it just becomes a game of politics at this point. We've learned to live with the flu. We've learned to live with strokes. We've learned to live with cancer. We've learned to live with car accidents. It's just something you learn to live with. You can't fight it. If you fight it, it's not worth it. it it's unrealistic. Another thing that he said is unrealistic, and this is kind of going off topic really quick, but it's just something that I think is really, really stupid and and uh, sorry, uh, and hypocritical. He said that we should not defund the police, but we should fund them. It's literally, literally the opposite of what the Democrats were trying to do in in uh, the summer of 2020. They were all screaming defund the police. Oh, they're all terrible. Oh, they all fight each other. They, they, they're, they're racist. They, they don't deserve the funding, yada, yada, yada. But now they're going and giving, I think it was like $30 million to police departments huh he campaigned on one narrative a year later flips he he's done almost nothing that he said he was going to do he hasn't ended covid like he said he was going to do. he didn't even have a plan he said he said that a couple months ago oh i don't have a plan to end covid it's up to the states after he preached that he did during 2020 it's he's he's one of the most incompetent presidents i've ever witnessed so uh he's he's something else that's for sure and uh lastly because i i found i came across this and i thought it was kind of interesting uh ellie mistel uh, did an interview with the view you know joey behar whoopi goldberg all them whoopi goldberg's back i think she was back last week after her two-week hiatus and suspendment um Ellie Mistel said that the Constitution is kind of trash. Here, here's the here's the video. So, are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution? Should the Constitution be thrown out? What do we do? Is it a living document? Is it a or is it a sacred document? It's certainly not sacred. Our Constitution is kind of trash. Now, let's just again let's just talk as adults first what did you say it's what it's kind of trash trash it was it was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists they didn't ask anybody look like me what they thought about the constitution 
So you hear, heard it here first, folks. The Constitution is kind of trash. It is not a sacred document. That's what Ellie Mistel said. It's not a perfect document. Nothing's a perfect document. Everything has their flaws. But is it a sacred document? Yes. If you destroy the uh, the Constitution, the paper, the, the original Constitution, not and obviously, don't take this the wrong way. There is, you know, online digitalized copies now and everything. But if you destroy the Constitution, the the United States of America falls instantly falls. And uh, and there's stuff that we're all gonna argue about in the Constitution. You know, freedom of speech, Second Amendment rights, everything like that state versus federal rights, everything like that. But what countries can we say that the United, the United States Constitution is better than? I'm pretty sure we can all agree on this too, unless you're a communist. North Korea, Russia, China, and Cuba, and Mexico, Brazil. We, we can all agree that the, the United States of America's Constitution is better than those countries. We can agree it's better than Saudi Arabia and Iran and Afghanistan and a lot of the Middle Eastern countries. We can. If you can't, you should get your head checked. To say that the Constitution is not a sacred document, I think is almost, it almost should be criminal. But I, I don't agree with Ellie Mistel on that at all. And the, the view, it might be the most pointless show ever. You get, you get four women up there and all they basically do is complain. One complained that, uh, I can't remember her name. I don't think it was Joy Behar. Um, but she complained that her trip to Italy might, was in trouble because of the Ukraine. She's, con, she's con, um, concerned about her trip to Italy. Not about the what Ukraine's gone through, but that her trip to Italy might be canceled because of the, the war. That's so sad, isn't it? And the IQ between the four of them, it, it it might be the combined IQ of a potato, which is saying something, you know? Um, and I've met some people, one person with the IQ of a potato, so to have four of them means that each of them has the IQ of a quarter of a potato. I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully we'll be back uh, on Tuesday without a nuclear war breaking out. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, this has been Politically Incorrect with Garrett Vighton. I'm Garrett Vighton. Uh, thank you all for listening. And I will hopefully see you guys in the next episode. See you.